Welcome to Happy Hour from the Ramble Room, where the jokes aren't funny and the stories go nowhere. I'm Benson, let's get going. Hey guys, and welcome back to Happy Hour from the Ramble Room. Uh, this week, we've got another two-parter, starting with my good buddy, Mr. Lee Matthews. Uh, first episode of this one, uh, this two-parter, will be uh, chatting to Lee about his hunting and then starting of his Air Force career. So uh, sit back, kick back, relax, and uh, here's Mr. Lee Matthews. Man, let's just get chatting, eh? I've got, we've got so much we can talk about because... There's so much that I find absolutely fascinating about you, and I, man, I don't, I, I don't even know where to start. To be honest, thank God I've got a list of topics that I'd like to be able to see um, that I can so we can talk about. But um, Sav made a really terrible joke about breaking the ice, and I didn't laugh at it, and I did mention to her that I would mention that on the podcast because it was a terrible joke and I feel like she could do better. Hit me. Yeah. No, literally she just said you should just break the ice and then that was it. That was the joke. Okay. You can say it. She can do better. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> Some hockey pun intended there, I'm assuming, for breaking the ice. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, moving, yeah, <laughs> fucking moving on. Um, yeah, dude, I fucking... Um, yeah, sorry, I will swear a lot in this because I do swear. I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone knows that. Can you I swear, swear on it? Uh, let's hope so. Otherwise, we're going to get silenced real quick. <laughs> pretty, pretty sure those are the worst things on the internet. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's what nudes exist for, right? There's plenty of disgusting nudes that people have on the internet that don't really deserve to be there. Wow, we've... we've 3.7 seconds we're in already, and you're already talking about we're nudes already talking internet. about nudes on the internet yeah yep. uh, yeah look that's what happens um and we'll be right back uh, <laughs> <laughs> no um honestly like we've been friends for a, like what five years now something like that something like that yeah, I think who's counting i i probably lost count uh i'm a little bit sleep deprived so it's understandable that I would lose count at most things at the moment. Well, fresh uh, twins will do that to you. Yeah, freshly hatched twins will do that to you. Um, no, but I um, like I enjoy our conversations a lot purely because you have a lot of interests to me that are very different, and I really like that. And I, I honestly like. Out of the time that, we, that I've known you, I this is not to blow smoke up your ass, but I taught I speak very highly of you to a lot of people that I know, just because you're a fucking good dude. Well, it's humbling and embarrassing at the same time. Yeah, look, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Um, but the first part was, uh, let's just get the cracker out of the way first. Let's just talk hockey first because that's where we met. So let's just start with that. Sure. Um, so you were an original pucker. Yep. Original pucks was it pucks first, or then puckers, or you no, were an original pucker? It was pucker first, yeah, uh, and then the pucks came after that. When pucks was the that was second team we created. That was Lucas's team, right? Yeah, yeah, sweet. Okay, cool. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, I always get confused with that because I I was I was post post I was after all that. So, yep. um, but original puckers. So how did that team come about? I know Matt Bishop was the one that was the sort of brainchild behind it all, um, but that team from from looking at it on paper was solid team yeah i mean you gotta remember there's probably 10 years of development between then yeah. and now but yeah um i 
definitely wasn't any part of the architectural building of it. Mm. Um, I just moved back up from Canberra and um, I've been playing ice hockey for maybe two years. Nice. If that. Nice. And just showed up to the rink and went, hey, I'm looking to play ice hockey now that I've moved back up here. Yeah. And they went, oh, there's a new team over there. And I went over and said, hey, can I play? And they're like, yeah, you're from Canada? And I'm like, no. And they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah okay we need numbers you can play um yeah what, what do we call we call the puckers i'm like okay yeah cool i, I could do with that yeah, yeah sweet that's awesome so when so obviously you started playing down in canberra yeah yeah when you lived down there yeah um any particular team that you played for down in canberra or just kind of like drop-in style stuff um i can't even remember man it was long time it, ago. it was not memorable um it wasn't good yeah it was sort of development league stuff yeah, fair stuff. enough and then play before so yeah yeah, yeah. that's understandable the only reason i ask is like uh you know my, my brother jason lives down in canberra so um uh, he's uh, was, i'm literally talking to him at the moment he's hasn't played hockey in fuck i don't know how many years and he's like buying ice skates he wants to jump back get back into it which i think is absolutely fantastic yeah. um but the rinks down there are so much better than they are up here so oh, really well yeah from they what i from been, what uh, i hear must have been freshly built because the one yeah there was one down there when i was playing and it was rubbish. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I heard. I've I've heard good things about the rinks down there. So that's what I was just like. Oh, interesting to see his take on it from him being away from hockey for such a long time, yeah. uh, to going back into getting back into it. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of development in the game itself in Australia. Like, there's a yeah. lot of rinks have been built. A lot of uh, been you know refurbished. Um, yeah. So. You know, and even up here in Brizzy, the size of the league's grown so much since the original Puckers Day. Like, yeah. You know, well, I mean, we were, back then it was one it was, division, right? Yeah, it was one division, yeah, yeah. maybe five teams, if that. Yeah. Um, now there's what, like six divisions and yeah. you know, you're fighting and scrounging just Which, to get some ice time. to like, me is fascinating just because, I say fascinating, it's, it's really interesting because coming from an inline background, Back when I was playing in juniors, there was like clubs everywhere because like roller rinks are that much easier to like, I guess, start up and, and have. And there were so many around back in the day. Like, I mean, when I started playing in juniors, we were, well, I think there was what, Browns Plains, Logan, um, there was uh, Gold Coast, Sunny Coast, Lismore. Redlands, like Pine Rivers, uh, Brisbane. Yeah. There was like there was even a point there was one at Burpengary. Like yeah, well, it's a, teams yeah. Ev- everywhere. <laughs> it's a bit easy to manage that in Australia yeah. and some of that are nice hockey rink. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. But yeah. it's crazy that it's changed so much because that then was huge. Now it's gone like the ice. It's literally flipped. The ice hockey. There's there's not enough ice time anywhere yeah. for the it's, amount of players that we're getting into play and. Inline, there's, it's it's like a couple of divisions and not it literally based out of one rink. Yeah, well, I mean the inline guys, inline guys had to you know grow up at some point. Look, it's true, and I did. So, um, look, you know, we all know that if I have to take the pick, sorry, Green Arrows, I love you guys heaps, but if I have to make the pick, I'm probably still going to pick ice hockey. But, yeah. um, look, it's yeah, it's awesome, man. I, I just honestly the the sport growing, especially with that, like it's going to bring a whole new thing with that. Um, the NHL game coming next year. Uh, no, this year, isn't it? No, September this year. Yeah. yeah. So coming in September, like Kings versus uh, Coyotes down in Melbourne, which will bring a... I don't know. It'll shine a light on it, a big light, I think. it's Especially considering it's not like those USA-Canada games, which are kind of 
to be fair, half-assed, I think, when they yeah. when they come across. It's all in their off-season. They don't seem to really give a shit, and it's just for fun kind of thing. But I mean, it's still a preseason game, but it's still going to be taken half-seriously. There's still going to be blood and new guys, and you know, yeah. there's still going to be some old hats there. So yeah. I imagine, I'm hoping at least, it's going to be you know, a really good game. So. Is, it, is it a preseason? Because I thought, that yeah, I thought it wasn't... Because I know that when the Avs played in, I think it was at Sweden or Finland this last season mm. they were proper games like they they counted towards points for the season yeah, so whatever i thought it was preseason i could be wrong hmm, okay I interesting thought was, i thought it was All preseason right. okay yeah. yeah um i mean like yeah so obviously puckers and obviously uh last last year pucker of the year yeah that was last year that was last year yeah. you won pucker of the year last year that was awesome because i got to be there when you won that one which was fantastic yeah obviously super proud of it it's a fucking really that's an honor man like it's really cool i i think it's awesome i'm fucking stoked that you won that because you definitely well is definitely well deserved yeah it was cool it's good to still be a part of the club you know i said it i've said it a few times but uh, i think if i wasn't playing for the puckers i probably wouldn't be playing ice hockey anymore so yeah that was actually one thing i was gonna i was gonna touch on because we have had that discussion before and i I have to say I feel very similar to you in that respect because I just, um, yeah, like obviously, let's face it, just open it up. It's a cult. It's a cult. We drink the Kool-Aid. That's fine. I'm all for that. And I like the Kool-Aid. It tastes real good. Yeah, <laughs> tastes right. like beer, to be honest. Yeah, right. So it's good for me. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to be in the cult. I don't want to leave the cult. Um, yeah. If I'm forced to leave the cult, I'll have to find a new lifestyle. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and I don't really like. I think if I have to quit hockey in general, I probably wouldn't. I'd have to live nowhere near a rink because it would be that depressing that I'm not playing anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to. It'd have to be. I'd have to be like somewhere very far away. <laughs> I don't know where. Somewhere very far away. <laughs> oh, you'll get to my age one day, and you'll realize that retirement's probably going to happen at some point. Yeah, I, I I keep saying it, Sav, that I will literally play until my body is just broken and I physically can't play anymore. Like it just, but the funny thing is, I don't know if you find, if you find this as you've gotten older, I can't take time off anymore because if I take time off, it makes it that much harder to keep going. Yeah. To, to restart, I should say. Yeah. Man, that's the, that's one of the hardest things I find is that. Well, it's like most things with physical activity, right? Like guys struggling to go to the gym or starting struggling with their fitness and their health and well being. It, it's all about momentum. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not the fittest, healthiest guy in the world, but I'm definitely a lot fitter, stronger, healthier than I was in my early 20s. Yeah. And it's all momentum. It's it's about going on the days that you don't want to go. Like yeah. if you can get yourself out of bed and drag yourself down, even if it's a crappy session, but if you can at least get down there and keep that momentum going in the yeah. right direction, that's, that's what will get you the results. That's what will keep you in the game um, yeah you know if you start you know oh i'm not gonna play tonight or oh, i'm not gonna go to the gym today that's gonna start momentum but in the completely opposite direction yeah i uh, i feel um i definitely agree with you on that one because I've, I've struggled with my weight a lot i'm not a big dude i've struggled with my weight a lot over the years and i mean it got to one point where um like you know you have family members and friends and they you know, try to guide you in the right direction. And it literally, my, my family could have just said to me multiple times, you're fat, you need to lose weight. But when they're telling it to you, it's just a, oh, you know, you know, fuck you. Like, don't, you can't tell what to do. Like, blah, blah, blah. When it happened for me, it was literally a switch. And it was the, from the most unlikely person that it, like, I can remember the day that it happened too. 
like I was well, 145 kilos, 140 kilos. Like, and that was just fat at that point. It wasn't muscle. It was fat. And my ex-partner's uncle was like, why don't you just go to the gym? Why don't you just start? And I could sit there and come up with excuses and he'd be like, why don't you just try it? And it was literally this one switch clicked. And then it was a year and a half, I think year and a half journey. And I got down to 98 kilos, like ridiculous amount. I mean, granted, I've put quite a lot of it back on, not, 100% 100% my fault because of all the injuries that I've gotten like the struggles that I've had with my with my body but look I'm still relatively fit for the size that I am obviously I can always be fitter but yeah like it's uh, it's it's hard man that that weight loss is really difficult like I don't you know I don't wish it upon anyone like having that struggle but you just got to get you just got to start somewhere yeah I really feel for the people that are trying to go through the weight loss journey Especially with a lot of the bullshit that's out there. Oh, yeah. You know, the whole, oh, you can lose weight by doing this or doing that. It's simple. It's like, first of all, none of it's simple nah. and none of it's going to be quick. Yeah. Right? Like, I know I've got a fair few family members and a fair few friends that have been in the obesity range. And I tell you what, they didn't get there overnight. Right? Yeah. It's a long journey. And to think that you're going to reverse it in any shorter duration than what you did it is a pipe dream. Like, if it takes you a long time to put that weight on, it's going to take you a long time to get it off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that journey is going to be a hard, long slog, man. But yeah, like I said, I think momentum's the key. Yeah. Um, for myself, for whenever I wanted to hit a target, it was always just about momentum and pulling. You know, just getting to the gym on those days where I felt yeah. like shit and didn't want to do it. Yeah. It always has. It always helps to have that accountability too. Like I always struggle with it when I was losing weight. The only way I found I was able to do it was because I had, like I, you know, I paid a lot of money for trainers to help get me there because I needed that accountability to push me to that point. Yeah. You know, like I never had gym buddies to go with. Like I'd try and find people to go to the gym with, and it would just net. We just never no one would ever go oh I couldn't go at this time oh no, look sorry man I'm real busy at the moment can't do that so you couldn't it's not one of those things you can't rely on people to do that kind of thing and that was the worst part about it yeah I can see that like re- relying on friends for your motivation is probably not a great strategy yeah, exactly. whereas even if the, even though you're paying someone to do it that's you doing that you're paying someone to provide yeah. that um, and if that trainer is not doing it for you then they're not doing your job and they're not earning what you're paying them to do so yeah. i think yeah putting the financial investment in it and getting a trainer that is personal accountability that's getting yourself moving um, yeah you put that in place nobody else so yeah i think that's that, that's a good way to do it yeah if you can afford it yeah if you can afford it i mean that was back when i was still living at home and i was able to had more of an expendable income than i do now like i could afford to do that um you know like it was again it was a hard slog man and like even when i like i sacrificed a lot to get to that point like my i had no social life i spent fucking every waking hour at the gym almost you know like i was going for a run or a walk i was going to the gym you know, five, six times a week, I was watching what I was eating. I was calorie counting. I wasn't drinking alcohol. Or if I was, it was like a vodka, lime and soda. Like, yeah, so you went all in. Oh, I was all in, man. Yeah. Like, and I guess that ADHD does that to you. Like that hyper-focus gets going, but... Yeah. But did... Well, in hindsight, was that rate of effort sustainable? No. Because now look where I am now. 
So that's what, yeah, it, 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 and that's the thing. You've got to find that fine line, right? Like yeah. there's a fine line of it. And I feel like, you know, um, I, I can't like I'm playing all I'm really doing at the moment. I was sort of training quite hard up until sort of Sav got pregnant and we were, we were training pretty hard. I still train hard when I can, but we don't, who's like at the moment with the twins, like, I don't, we don't have the expendable money to be able to afford that, especially at the moment. Oh yeah. And yeah, like all I've got really to sort of help is the, is the hockey, which I'm doing, you know, only able to do twice a week. I mean, if I could go way more, obviously I would, but um, the time frame and, you know, how much time I can spend away from home with playing hockey and then also being able to keep, you know, family life and stuff in check at home. Oh, it's just the the balancing act is insane. And yeah. they're only five weeks old, so they're going to get worse. <laughs> hopefully it gets better. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, hopefully it gets hopefully better. It gets but better. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like the Greek way, right? You want to be an Adonis, you know, cast yourself out of marble. Yep. You know, like, no. again, it's it's going to be the little incremental chipping away at things that's going to carve that. If you're going to start hitting that thing for sledgehammer, you're going to break yourself. So. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And like, honestly, yeah. it did. And that was the thing. Like, it did. The, the, the tipping point for me where I did start to put back on weight was I think I did. I was training to do, was training to do the Bruce to Brisbane. And I'd done it three years. And every year I'd done it, I had significantly beaten my time from the year before. So you could see. Uh, like progression, you yeah. can see progression and then I got to uh, I think it was the I'd started to have a lot of problem with my, with my I, I, I always say it's my ass cheek but it's like the the muscles through through the glutes there on the, on the right side of my body because of my leg issues I was comp- I always compensate because of the pain on my left side to the right side and that was really causing me a lot of problems and I got to like training where the running was just too much, even though I was training to run. Yeah. The, the training for it was getting too much. I end up doing the run, and I think a kilometer towards the end of the race, or the you know the the, the time frame that I had to do, um, I was running it with one of my PTs at the time, so he was like really sort of helped me get through it. Um, the I would have hate to have seen the look on my face when like my leg starts pulling, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't think I can finish this. I don't know how I did it, but having him there really got through. I think I did it in, I think it was like, I did the 5K in, I think it was maybe 21, 23 minutes, something like that. So yeah, it was quick, man. Like I smashed with that last K, I was in so much pain. And like after that, I I literally stopped running. I couldn't run anymore. I completely stopped after that point because I couldn't do it. Running is a prey animal activity, man. Like, yeah. don't know why people do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yes. I know. Yeah, and they go. And everyone says, "Oh, it's the, what's one of the best ways to lose weight?" I'm like, yeah, bullshit. It's also the best way to fuck your knees too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, again, this, I don't think running is this is sustainable. It is for some people. Like everyone's different, right? Like, I think it depends on your like body body size, right? Too. I find like my body is clearly built for comfort, yeah. not for speed. <laughs> like, like I see some guys, right? Like I follow a dude um, named Cameron Haynes. Um, yeah. Is an American prolific bow hunter, but he runs ultra marathons. Yeah. Right. And everyone always tries to give him the advice, like, you know, don't run so much, you'll hit your knees, blah, blah, blah. The dude's getting on in age, but he's just, he appears to be just bulletproof. Like, yeah. the guy can just run and run and run. Like, he was doing like a marathon a week just for practice. Yeah. Oh, wow. And like, the guy's insane. So, yeah, some people can just run. 
I think that's the anomaly. I don't think that's the average. Yeah, the definitely. Yeah, it's was that one out one out of a hundred people can run well. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing about him, though, like I, I think the way he did it was right. Was he developed a strength first? Like his muscle, his base is solid. Yeah. Um, he didn't just like you know I see guys you know just public viewing you know doing the yeah. old watching pe- people watching thing, and you see the the serial runners that. You know, they've got 0% body fat, but you look like they're going to trip over and just break in half. Like, yeah. it just doesn't look healthy to yeah. me. Um, I just don't think running in isolation yeah. is good. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, we're, we're a multi-tool. The, the human body is a multi-tool. We're not a one-and-done thing. So, yeah. you know, you need a bit of strength. You need a bit of cardio. You need a bit of everything to yeah. get overall wellness and health. Yeah. So what are they, what are they called? Like, like functional strength is really what what's needed through most things. I think functional yeah. strengths are more definitely one of the more important things for sure. Yeah. Well, you, you know my wife, man, Mel. She's a little pocket rocker. She's ripped as shit, and I, it's one of those things I love, but I hate at the same time. Is yeah. She could just eat nothing but pasta all week and sneeze and have a six pack. It's yeah, just ridiculous. Like, yeah. Very jealous of that six pack. Oh, I wish I could have something like that. I know. The, like, like I said, it, it's conflicting for me like in one respect i'm very jealous and i hate it in the other respect i absolutely love it because it's my wife yeah you're like um, damn but also i yeah. hate you <laughs> like yeah <laughs> but the other hate's, day it's a strong word <laughs> the other day we did a workout and we we're doing just a part of it was um, just a small quick set of laying leg curls yeah and afterwards in the car she's just like i can't believe how weak i am at that i'm like yeah but maybe one situation in life where you're going to be performing that movement. Yeah. Like it, it's a gym, like it's a showboating muscle movement. Like I don't see, I can't think of a time where I'm that leg curl action yeah, like is that, something that, that you're going to be doing naturally. No, the other way. The hamstrings. Oh, oh, hamstrings, right, the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, like, yeah, where, like, yeah. When the hell would you use that? No, I don't think you would, right? Yeah. So it's it makes sense well, that you're not strong in yeah. that area because yeah. you don't do that particular movement. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I totally get that. Oh my god! Um, but from what you were saying before, um, you mentioned your uh, the guy you follow, Bow Hunter. Sort of takes us on to the next topic that I find incredibly interesting is the bow hunting. How did that come about? How did bow hunting happen? Because like whenever ever I hear someone go, "Oh yeah, I go hunting," first thing I'm like, oh, "Okay, there's it's it's one of those things that people are either going to go." oh, wow, it's incredibly interesting. Or they're going to go, how dare you, first of all. And then second of all, bow hunting over a firearm, a weapon, a gun. Yeah. What was it? What was the choice? How did that choice come about? Cool. There's like 72 questions there. Sorry, I know there's a lot. Yeah. A lot to unpack there. Let, but let, yeah, me, like- let me process it. <laughs> um, all right. So how do I... The first thing I'll say is when it comes to hunting, it's a conversation point that I find difficult to bring up because it is so sensitive yeah you will just trigger people and they will already have a million assumptions in their head of me as a human being because i choose to hunt um and a lot of that is they just uh, incorrect assumptions they don't understand some of the perspectives and things like that but for me um you know i was a city suburban guy like i grew up um, in the outskirts of brisbane and didn't have anything to do with farming or hunting or anything like that growing up um and then for me what triggered it was um you probably want to talk about this later anyway but 
so I had a pretty hard mission when I was in the Air Force that caused uh, a bit of mental stress, I will say. Yeah. Um, and there were some issues coming from that mission that I was struggling to cope with. Yeah. And how that presented for me was um, a lot of anger and aggression to people in public. So not outwardly. I kept yeah. it inside. Um, I didn't actually act on any of it. But I'll go out and have a couple of beers and I would struggle with people whinging about the battery life on their phone, right? Yeah. Um, so I just came back from you know a mission where there was loss of life and a whole bunch of stuff like that. And that sort of stuff, that real petty things in my life, like I saw that as being real petty. It was serious for whoever was complaining, but I, I lost that grasp on perspective I yeah. suppose um, so every time I saw someone complaining about something that I thought was mediocre it would put me in a bit of a hate spiral and I was yeah. really struggling to deal with that um, it was a coincidence that just before that mission I was looking to branch out and pick up a new activity I was getting a little bit stagnant a little bit stale with yeah. what I was doing you know the ice hockey was good um, my career was in a point where I was starting to get confident in what i'm doing and comfortable yeah and i was looking for something to branch out and try something new yeah, like mix it up a little bit you yeah know? yeah just a, a new something yeah and um one of the guys at work um just suggested archery yeah um, now he was a bow hunter and i didn't say look i wasn't interested in hunting but yeah. the archery thing just said hey i'll give that a crack yeah um so i picked up a bow and I started shooting and it was a lot more challenging than I anticipated, which basically hooks me because yeah. like, okay, I want to master this. So I was doing the archery thing, had that mission, came back, and I just needed an escape. So I grabbed the bow, I started doing a lot more work, and I started working towards all right, maybe I should go out and hunt. Yeah, just try it. Yeah. Um, so I went out. Um, some people took me out to a location, showed me some places, and I started chasing some deer in the Victorian Alps. Uh, and I was hooked straight away. And for me, the appeal was I was back into an environment where I was making decisions that had consequence of life or death. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was putting myself recklessly, I'll say now in hindsight, but I was putting myself, uh, myself in positions that were dangerous to myself as well. Um, so you know, I was going up peaks, uh, mountains, looking for animals that I probably shouldn't have been going up by myself. You know, yeah. if I made a false move, if I did something wrong, I could have injured myself or potentially even killed myself. Yeah. Um, but then on the other side, if I got it all right, then yeah. I would be taking the life of an animal. And that balance was an allure and it was very primal I don't, it just spoke to me it yeah. was something about it that just gave me a drive um now i had zero expectations of success um bow hunting is extremely difficult especially on an animal like a samba deer which is what i was chasing they're remarkably hard to get close to yeah um let alone find um unless you're driving at night and then they'll just appear in front of you um but yeah so and that doesn't count. You can't really hunt with your car. So. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You can. <laughs> you can. It, it, it's, it's an expensive just... way to hunt. Uh, but yeah, I don't recommend it. Um, the, yeah. The amount of meat you're going to get is also going to be limited. Yes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I was 
literally finishing work at about lunchtime on a Friday. I'd jump straight in the car, head into the Alps, and I wouldn't come back until Sunday night and then work again. So um, I was dislocated from my family at the time. I was down in Victoria doing a training course for four months. So yeah. um, that was what I was doing with my spare time. Uh, and like I said, I didn't expect to find success, but about six trips in, I did find success. I came across a deer and it was a perfect situation. I set it up and it was a perfect shot. It was very quick. The deer went down. Um, and the feeling of success combined with the feeling of grief for what I'd just done was very unexpected yeah. and very unique. And that combination was intriguing and it hooked me. It was something that I don't think I'll stop doing now. Yeah. Um, a part of that was the harvest. So afterwards, harvesting that animal, bringing out of the bush as much meat as possible. And then for weeks later, I was sharing that meal. I was sharing the deer. Um, yeah. We would hold curries every Friday and the venison was in that curry. Everyone knew it. Um, and everyone enjoyed it and was appreciative. But just, you know, harvesting that animal and then sharing it with people yeah. was a connection with other humans I've also never shared. I'm yeah. not much of a people person. Yeah. Um, but sharing food now, especially food that I've harvested myself, is a very big part of who I am. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've been yeah, to and, and one I've, of my yeah. barbecues now. The yeah, carnival. the carnival carnivals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, man, that was a, it was an experience, I tell you. Like, I've never sort of, I've never eaten out like, you know, animals like that before. And that's obviously sounds, you know, it's obviously a touchy subject for some people out there. But like this, to me, like the way you talk about this and the way we've sort of talked about it before is like, you you're you hunt for food you're not like there's a di it's a difference you're not just going out there mercilessly killing an animal for the sake of killing an animal you're not killing more than you need you're not doing that you're literally hunting and hunting an animal and then you're literally consuming it yourself at, or you know more people yeah don't get me wrong i have gone on trips with people um, yeah. that i wouldn't call hunting as much as i would call shooting hmm. um and it's not really my thing um, yeah you know i've tried it because you know that's what yeah you, you know you try, I things, like to try yeah. things it's not really for me like I, there's parts of it i enjoy but not a lot of it um, yeah yeah i would rather take one animal and spend four hours harvesting it correctly than spending four hours shooting yeah um so yeah that's a little bit different for me um and yeah, it Look, is each, what it is. Each, each their each their own. Obviously, like some people, you know, some people are going to do that. That's because what that's what they enjoy to do. Like, look, that's that's not what I mean. In in my head, like I used to talked about that. You know, um, the 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 way of the grief and the like how you felt after the after your first kill, and you kind of like that's where like someone like myself, I I would struggle with that because I. Like I don't think I could handle the grief over what I what I'd done or, or what I was doing. Yep. And the reason why I feel a lot of people will be on that page is because you haven't felt the the work and the sacrifice to get to the point of success. Yeah. Um, you know, the remorse bit's easy to accept and it's easy to relate to mm. because you know you can all imagine taking the life of an animal. 
and animals are cute animals are cool and one of the things that people probably struggle and see a bit of the contradiction is just how much i love those animals like i love yeah. deer I, I think they're amazing if it was up to me deer wouldn't be regarded as pests in australia um even though they were introduced i would rather than be managed like a game animal sort of like what the u.s do yeah but I think they should be cherished. I think yeah. they're a resource. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they're a pest and they shouldn't be indiscriminately killed mm. like they are by the government. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're a resource and I love them, but then I'll go out and shoot them and eat them. Yeah. Um, it's a contradiction. I'm aware of that. Um, it's difficult to explain. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, like the, I don't... Um I, yeah, I, it does. That's not that it doesn't make sense to me. I like I understand where you're coming from. That it's like it's like a mutual respect. You respect the animal, but also it's like a give and take. Yeah, yeah. And I guarantee you, I could tell you more about deer than you could. Yeah. Oh man. Right. I, like, like apart most from like people. Yeah. Like my idea of deer is I've seen deer uh, down in Armadale where my um, my mum used to live and my my nana was uh, before she passed. I remember going down there at Christmas time um, and they have like a small little deer sanctuary thing there, like closed off. They all sit there. You can feed the deer. That's literally my idea of deer. That's literally all I've, I've ever dealt with. Yeah. So it's a very, very different. But yeah, I, I've got no idea. I, I have no idea. Yes, yes I have no yes. idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it, yeah, a lot of my time is consumed thinking about the animal itself, how yeah. it lives, where it lives, you yeah. know, what it does, um, a lot of the biology behind it, um, you know, and I'm, you can't help but respect everything about the animal, yeah, um, including just how goddamn delicious it is, yeah, yeah. yeah and I and that's a, I, I've, I've been to been to I've only been able to go to one of your carnival carnivals because as of uh, like the first one I went to was before COVID, and I don't think you've had uh, any since then, or maybe not as on a bigger scale because of. Um, but man, it was, it was eye opening to like, re- it really sort of, um, was, yeah, it was very eye opening to see and to try those things too. Like I, I wouldn't yeah. go out of my way to do those things. And that's exactly why I hold those barbecues. Yeah. The, the intent behind it is to expose my friends to meats that they don't eat yeah. or to a bit of that lifestyle. Um, so, you know, every year I try to increase the number of animals it's getting pretty hard to do these days yeah. um but you know the last one i'm trying to think what did i have i had you know geese and roo and there was deer in yeah. there and there was water so, buffalo yeah there was, water buffalo and there was uh, a bunch there was a couple there yeah. that you had when i was there and i think yeah magpie geese was one um i think the water buffalo was one uh, i think i think you had my maybe had wild boar or yeah, pig, there was, potentially. There was a bit, yeah, there pig. would have been some pig in there. Yeah. There was some deer. Um, there was some barramundi that I Yeah, the barramundi that you caught, was, yeah. yeah. Um, that was the first time I did bow fishing and that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was uh, quite a few. I think I had 10 animals that time. Yeah, um, it, was, it was a lot, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's not all hunted. Like some of it will be um, store-bought. A lot of that is either if there's going to be kids present, I'll have some you know, something that they'll... Yeah fall back on so that they don't you know parents don't have to deal with screaming children yeah um but also i'll do some comparisons right so i'll get some store-bought steak and i'll compare that with the wild water buffalo yeah and i'll cook it the same way prepare it the same way and and give that comparison hmm. Hmm. yeah no, it's uh, it's man, it's very interesting because like i think there's there's a there's definitely a lot um a lot you can sort of 
talk about that, especially because you're so passionate about it as well, which I think is, you know, that's the most important thing, yeah. really. Um, so there's a, I did write, I did write a little question on there just because I found this one um, interesting. Was, um, do you have a, like a specific, uh, uh, like a significant, uh, a significant hunting experience, or you like that was would be, you know, whether it's your the your first outing or whether like there was one that was particularly hard or harder than the rest to do that one really stands out that was been your like your crowning crown jewel kind of moment um it's i've got a lot of them Um, yeah probably for different reasons too right yeah Yeah. for different reasons um i think one of the questions you had is why do i bow hunt as opposed to rifle hunting um the reason is is the odds are stacked in the animal's favor yeah I can go out for a rifle and shoot an animal. It's not overly difficult. Some people will probably cringe at that and go, oh, bullshit, you know, I've been hunting for X amount of years for mm. a rifle and haven't done it. I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe it's, it's not very not- good then. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, sometimes it just doesn't work out for you, right? Yeah. Um, but if you can't shoot an animal from 300 metres with a rifle, you're not going to be able to get into 20 metres with the bow. Yeah. Um, and that, for me, is the bit that draws me in. Um and for me, one of the most memorable bits about bow hunting for me was I had access to um, a property and for four years, I chased one particular buck. This one deer lived on this property and he was very identifiable. Every year I would see him, every year I would chase him and I never got him. And the amount of interactions I had with that specific deer over that four years yeah like I, I couldn't count them but the amount of times i almost had him or yeah. the amount of times that the distance was a bit far or i wasn't going to get to him before the sun set yeah. and i would just watch him and get you know try to understand his habit patterns and what he was doing yeah and this sort of game that we had that you know was all about life or death i was trying to take his life and he was trying to survive he won. He survived. Well, he survived me. I don't know if he's still alive. Um, but, you know, like one thing that I don't know everyone knows is, um, you know, male deer with their antlers, they, they drop those antlers every year and they regrow them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you'll see antler chanteliers and people go, oh, the murder. I'm like, no, no, those were all dropped. The deer drops them every year and yeah. then regrows and they regrow them. them. Yeah. You know, I've got a set of this deer's antlets from a year yeah. that he dropped it um you know and a part of the hunting process during the rut when you know they um mate which is for about three or four weeks every year mm. they go crazy because that's the one time a year they got a chance of a girl <coughs> you can call them in by um crashing antlers against each other right yeah. it gives the impression that there's deer fighting yeah and if you're close enough and you do that, it will give the buck the idea that maybe there's some other bucks trying to move in on his girls. Yeah. Or there's some bucks down there with some girls and he may want a part of that. So either way, that deer is probably going to come in um, to try and fight off or take over that area. Um, and I was doing that with his own antlers. Wow. Yeah, that's oh man, that's crazy. Like that's so, yeah. like I, I I was one of those things that I think maybe you would you'd mentioned to me before, but yeah, I did know about the they did drop their they did drop their antlers. So that's that's crazy that 
doing it with his antlers like wow that's just yeah, yeah. so it was a cool dude um oh still remember seeing him. i've got heaps of photos of him like i've got photos of him from in the wild just yeah you know um but yeah one of the guys at work started calling him donald buck <laughs> i love it and that's then, great uh, he created a facebook profile called <laughs> donald buck with a picture of a deer and started like just teasing me like oh, sending me messages Jesus. oh dude <laughs> Yeah. No, we were we were the laugh. That would have been bloody great. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. I've got to give credit. That was funny. It was good. Yeah. Wow. Oh man, that's awesome. No, that's uh, that, honestly, it's one of those. Um, yeah, I can see why like a lot of people sort of don't quite don't quite understand that side. Not necessarily side of you, but that like those particular things because there's a lot. There's a lot behind that. Oh yeah. And like, and if I was to shoot that deer, like if I went out and found success, like the story would still be there but it would probably be something else it'd be a different level altogether because talking about that confliction between success and you know yeah demise or dread or remorse like it would have been intense yeah because you know for four years i've been watching this deer if i was to successfully take him i would the the loss would be greater so much greater because one that journey is now over yeah you know, to that animal that I've enjoyed watching for four years is now yeah. dead at my hands. And there's also a lot of emotion behind that too. Yeah. Like, yeah. But also the success. You know, yeah. Success after that long and that much effort would have been, you know, pe- people like to criticize the, the photos and the joy and that happens after a hunt, but... They don't you, get the psychological you, you, behind you it. You've got to understand after four years chasing that animal, yeah, I would have been overcome. Like yeah. there's no way I wouldn't have been crying and cheering and laughing at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. I, I don't know of another activity that that gives that amount of emotional connection with with the wild. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's like uh, yeah. Honestly, I I know you could you could talk about that all day and I and honestly I actually I thoroughly enjoy hearing your stories about it because it's just it's so it's just such an interesting thing especially I like been a been a city kid my whole life like that's not something that I would have ever come across or ever ever sort of like done or partaked in because it's just not something that I would have done but yeah. it's so it's so interesting yeah. to hear yeah so interesting to hear um there was a, uh, a late on side what were they called uh, late in life onset hunter yeah on, yeah, 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 yeah yeah okay so. all right um, all right. Well, the I guess the next the next part of uh, sort of the conversation that I really th- this is the, this will be the one that sort of uh, a few people probably have heard quite a lot of obviously on your podcast that you that you ha- you and Nick have done um, where you go into quite into quite a lot of depth about your your other job or your the the job that you have been on and off with for quite some well, for a long long time uh, is. Uh, you're in the Air Force and you were a pilot and I love I absolutely love and as a as a kid I just remember being fascinated by flight and jets and choppers and all that sort of stuff so this is super interesting for me um, this side of your life because um, that's one of those things that whenever I mention you in a conversation with someone it's my the thing I always say is my my mate he was he f- was flying one of those C seventeens for Riverfire, and I always say that because it 
I don't know. I don't know what makes me so proud of you for that. I don't know why, but I just think it's the coolest thing ever. Like, I think it's awesome. But um, let's talk about your your piloting career. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, like what? Uh, obviously, what started your love for like aircraft and things like that? Because for me, for myself, the like I obviously I equate pretty much everything in my life back to some form of movie or TV shoot because I just love movies and TV. The one thing, and everyone will go, it was Top Gun. It actually wasn't Top Gun for me. It was Hot Shots, believe it or not. And I love Hot Shots. I, to this day, I actually watched it with Sav just recently, and I still love that movie so, so much. So much of my vocabulary comes from that movie, man. Hot Shots. I oh, love yeah. it. <laughs> it is so good. Yeah. But Hot Shots and Top Gun were obviously those two, the two things for myself. What started your love for it? Oh, I mean, Top Gun was one of the best recruiting videos of all time for the yeah. US Navy. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, Top Gun had a part in it, I yeah. suppose. Um, but for me, what really, really made it something that I wanted was when I was pretty young, like still in primary school. Yeah. Um, I went on a, a school camp. And during the school camp, we went on a hike up a hill. And we were, you know, almost at the summit. Um and there was this loud rumbling noise, and I think I was the first one to see it. But it was an F one eleven, Royal Australian Air Force F one eleven, yeah, doing a low flying exercise um, through mountain range. Wow! And it flew straight over us, and I, so low, I felt like I could touch this thing. And this thing just buzzed, and I was in absolute awe. And I was, wow, that was amazing! Like I can't believe that. Yeah. Anyway, the hippie guide started cracking on about noise pollution and at my young impressionable age i just thought this guy's a freaking clown as i looked <laughs> up and watched dash two start to come in as the second aircraft comes out we're just completely shuts this guy up and i was just like yeah that's me yeah you're like that's great that's, that's, that's fantastic awesome and that was the seed that was the thing that got me interested in it and then from there just every time i, I saw something aviation related i thought that's that's what, that, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, from that point on, I had that little bit of drive at school to you know, try a little bit harder. Yeah. Now, I, I grew up in not a great place, um, socioeconomically wise, that's yeah. saying. You know, I had great mates there and, and like, but, you know, guys didn't grow up in my town and go become pilots. Yeah. You know, they, they got trades. Mm. Um, and that was just the thing. So it was unrealistic for me as a young fella yeah I, I did a little bit harder at school and I, I focused on it but i never thought it was a genuine possibility um so that was it for me and then coming into high school um you know i, I sort of worked hard at my mathematics my english the sciences predominantly physics um i chose when we got to grade 11 and 12, I chose those subjects, you know, the, the hard math, the hard English, the yeah. physics. Um, I even chose like graphics to get a better understanding of angles and being able to yeah. visually identify and, angles. And, and like how... Not to draw yeah. houses. No, but to but like... Just to get my eye in for angles. Yeah, to like understand that, how that works too. Like yeah, there's which, a lot to do with that. As a child, like looking back, I'm like, that doesn't make sense, but God, it made sense. Like, yeah. It was this weird decision I made and it yeah. was it was those sorts of things moving forward. Now I did my knee 
you know, when I was 15, blew my ACL. Yeah, from playing 40, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, playing rugby league. And then when Defence Force recruiting came around and I was in like grade 11, I went up and saw the recruiters and went, oh, look, I'd really like to be a pilot. And the guy sort of looked at me and was like, nah, mate, we're here to recruit you know, infantry. Like, you're not in the, the area where we recruit pilots. Like, Yeah. And um, so, so we had a chat and basically he, I told him about my injury and he went, I oh, straight away, like, oh, that disqualifies you. You're not, yeah, you're not there's no way you'll there's get There's no through. way you're getting in. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So my hopes and dreams were completely shattered by this recruiter. And for anyone listening in a similar situation or has a child in a similar situation, understand that the Defence Force recruiter knows nothing. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, don't don't get disheartened or dispersuaded because of something that one person says. It's just, don't take it on face value. Um, I did, and it caused me a lot of heartache. So, yeah, I put the dream on the back burner, um, went and started doing some, you know, some jobs uh when i left high school i went to university and studied it um discovered quite quickly that that wasn't me it was not a fit um, yeah i now have a pretty solid hatred for computers just um, fair enough man honestly apart from uh you know what we're using to do the podcast these days i'm kind of very similar myself i don't have a, i used yeah. to love computers and these days i just i just don't have the don't have the patience for it i'll, I'll be honest with you <laughs> yeah for me it was more the crowd it wasn't yep. my people um so i left university i started just working as a laborer but i threw the hail mary so the day i deferred my university degree i went to defense force recruiting i went i want to become a pilot um you know they went yep cool right this way to the giant line of every other man dog and child and other species in the world that wants to become a pilot throw your name there um, yeah, less than one percent is gonna get through. Yeah. Like, okay, okay, cool. I'm gonna put my name down and I'm gonna go earn some money doing some physical activity. Yeah. So that's what I did. Um and it runs in a bit of a cycle. So you basically you go through the recruiting process back in the day anyway. Um if you'd sort of weren't successful in twelve months, you sort of start again or you might get told, Oh, not now, come back in twelve months. It's sort of yeah. they keep kicking the can down the road. So yeah. um I started off did all the academic stuff, did well, got to the medical bid. and went, oh, ACL, no. Sorry, disqualified. I'm like, okay. Not unexpected. Bit sad, but not unexpected. Yeah. But I decided I wasn't going to take that. It mm. didn't make sense to me, right? Like, of yeah. I was rehabilitated. I was yeah. physical. I was active. There was, I was looking at the other guys that were in the line that didn't have an ACL reconstruction going. I could outrun, out jump. I could kick Literally. your kick your little yeah. ass with my broken knee. Like yeah, no. Even with I'm, my ACL, I could still beat you in a race. Like that yeah. kind of thing. So I, I wasn't willing to accept it. So um, I got a package together. So I went around and saw, um, you know, some some surgeons and some things like that. And I got a whole bunch of referrals, references, and stuff like that. And I sent this giantly thick Manila folder down to Canberra for an appeal saying why I think this yeah. is right tell me why yeah and um sure enough my letter came back with the big stamped approved written on it for the overturned i dare say what happened is you know bureaucrats uh are good when you know where their weak point is they open up a manila folder that thick 
There you go. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm not reading that. Yeah, rubber He's stamp. In. I'm pretty sure that was a rubber stamp. <laughs> um, so I get a phone call and they're like, look, yep. Um, they were impressed with your, yeah, you know, your, your ethic there. And yeah, yeah they're going to overturn the decision. And you can progress through the application process. Yeah. Wow. It's like, sweet. I'm like, mate, my, my mind's just racing now. I'm like, I'm in. Like, That's it. I'm done. Yeah. That was my hiccup. That was my hurdle. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Defence Force recruiting has got many hurdles here to yeah. jump. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, I got through that and then got to the officer board, like the first officer board, and uh, they questioned my motivation. And, um, right. Well, we, what have you done? I'm like, what do you mean? What, what have I done? I've been doing this for 12 months now. Um, it's, all, it's all I want. It's like, yeah, but... Why, why haven't you gotten flying lessons? I'm like, because I don't, I can't afford it. I'm a laborer. I've just come out of school. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. paying rent. Like, I, I, I don't have the money to go get flying lessons. Um, okay, but what about teams? Like, what, what, what have you done to show that you know you're you're a team guy? I'm like, I mean, other than ten years playing rugby league in a team and thirteen years playing cricket in a team and all this other stuff I'm doing, and they're like, yeah, no, nah, we're, we're not impressed. I'm like, okay. Cool. And they said, come back in 12 months. All right. Yeah. So at that point, you're like, what the fuck impresses you then? Like, yeah. would you like to, I'd like to know that. <laughs> so I then went off um, while having a full-time job. I joined the auxiliary firefighters to show my team spirit. Um, and I started doing just some exper- uh, experiential flying. So yeah. you know, not it's not lessons, but it's like that. Yeah, pay an exorbitant amount of money. We'll take you up for an hour, and you get to learn how to. Fly. Yeah, yeah, get the feel for it. Yeah, and then we'll give you the joystick, and we'll yeah. hold the other one, and yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that sort of thing. So that's the sort of stuff I did. Um, come back, and um, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we see you've done some stuff. That's great." Um, but no, because <laughs> you're too immature. Like, okay, great. So I got uh, deferred like again. Oh, um, wow. And it, this can just kept getting kicked down the road. And then uh, I was working with a guy whose brother was working for Defence Force Recruiting at the time. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I'll have a chat to him. Like, okay. You're like, what's that? What the hell is that going to achieve? And then like (laughs) two weeks later, I'm in front of this guy and he was one of the officers at Defence Force Recruiting. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, I know you work for my brother. Yeah, yeah. He goes, mate, you've been doing this for... How long? You've been doing this for three years? You still... They still haven't let you through? And I'm like... Yeah, like, what am I doing wrong? He's like, no, you're not doing anything wrong here. Yeah, there are a bunch of flogs. <laughs> like, here, here, here comes the stamp and I'll send you a packet off and we'll see what happens. So sure enough, my paperwork goes off. And then within about two months of that, I get a call up to go to the next stage, uh, next and final stage. So the final stage is to go down to the flight school and you do a two-week um, intensive course. Basically, they try to teach you... Um, they don't, they don't try to teach you how to fly, but they teach you elements in the aircraft to see how you learn in that environment. Yeah. Like, how, like reactions and things like that too, obviously. Or... Yeah, it's things like that. Like the smartest guy I've ever known failed pilots, of course, because he was a genius, but while his hands and feet were moving, he couldn't think. Yeah. Um, so it's just things like that. Um, so we did that. Did well, um, well enough. Um, and within about two months of that, I was at officer training. 
Wow, that's so cool. Like, is it, in that, like, that's what a f- over a four year, realistically four year period. Yeah, close to. Yeah, that's like it's a long time for to be sort of kind of sitting on your hands and waiting for it. Really, like, there's a lot of laboring. Yeah, a lot yeah. of like a lot of laboring and like a lot of oh, now I need to go, need to go and do this team thing so they think that I'm doing a good job. But like, it had nothing to do with that at all. They just kind of look at it and go, now nah, we'll just see how long we can string them out for. Yeah, so they kept kicking the can down the road. They bought. They bought the uh, motivation thing back up, and I, I was so full time job working the fireys at the same time, and started doing um, an aviation degree. Yeah, uh, oh, externally. Wow. At a university, and then yeah, I got picked up, and I was like, oh, I don't need that degree anymore, so I stopped. Yeah. Doing that. See you later. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that was it. Um, got in in April two thousand six, um, and then yeah, went through the officer training, went through basic flying training. And then number two, flying training school. Uh, and at the end of that is when you get given your Air Force wings. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I got married in between the two schools, which was cool. That was awesome. I don't know if I would have survived that atmosphere without Mel by my side, but it was good. Yeah. Yeah, she was support. definitely, from what you've told me, she was definitely the rock for you throughout that time. Like that, those... Um, like courses and stuff they're pretty intensive especially like you know being away from your family and stuff like that like most of the time you're you know in completely different you know states countries even depending on what you're doing like that's a a lot behind that yeah 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 we had guys that went to canada and did the nato course as well so yeah you're right you can get dislocated internationally as well as interstate um i was fortunate we just did the whole perth and um tamworth thing which was good did she go to Perth with you as well? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so yeah, she came with me. She she's been along for the whole ride. Yeah, um, yeah, all locations. And she still hasn't left you. That's a, that's a win right there. No, <laughs> she's a winner. Well, yeah, she, she didn't have the best vision for a while. Yeah, yeah it's, so, it's hard we, to see. She, she got laser surgery and realized her mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "Damn it! Yeah. Why didn't I get the laser surgery before we got married? Yeah, Why?" Right. <laughs> Uh-huh. Too late, sucker. <laughs> now you have to leave me. You got to get paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> Being someone that's been divorced, there is a lot of paperwork. Yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah. It was one of the traps was uh, yeah convincing her to change her name. It's too much to change it back now. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's worth it. It's not worth it. Not at all. Uh. No, no. She's she's been great for it. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so that was it. Got through pilot's course. Part one is done. Boom. Um, sick guys next week we're going to hit part two with Lee uh, continuing on uh, with his Air Force career which I find super interesting uh, hope you guys are still with us and enjoying it um, hit us up on the socials let us know what you think uh, we'll be posting a bunch of photos and stuff as we go through um, the episodes with just stuff that you guys might not know um, that will help you understand what we're talking about in some stuff um, so look guys have a great week. Stay tuned for part two.